if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, it is. And a good morning. Away, it's eight minutes past ten o'clock. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday, the sixteenth morning of the second month of the year of our Lord, twenty twenty one. Fat Tuesday, as it is known. Ash Wednesday tomorrow. So, uh, obviously, the holiest season of the Catholic calendar begins tomorrow. And uh, hope you're living it up today. Probably hard to get out to get Punchki today, though, because of the weather, but uh, uh, good luck to you anyway. All right, thanks again to uh, Josh Mandel, <clears throat> who joined us last half hour, talking about his desire to replace Rob Portman when uh, the uh, re-election seat that he is giving up, or the seat that he is giving up, rather, and he is, as he does not run for re-election, comes up in two years. We're going to talk to other candidates going forward, but now we're going to talk to a standby. This is a guy I would vote for just about anything he wants. He is uh, our regular guest. On Tuesdays at this time, he is an attorney. He is a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. He is a member or was a member of the 1776 Presidential Commission. Uh, and he is also uh, a best-selling author. And he joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer, Peter Kersenow. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Doing well, Bob. It's a beautiful day in Cleveland, 355 days until the Browns play in the Super Bowl. All right. If you all take your word for it, my friend. Cursing out for one play, right? One play. Did did we have a a, a little jingle for that or a little, uh, is it Pete for one play or play Pete? Did we have something? (laughs) we got to come up with something. something. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, yeah, I get in touch with uh, Haslam and Stefanski and all those guys and say, you know what, this would be a great crowd pleaser. You get a lot of of ratings out of this. You want to see if the guy gets killed on the football field. It's like the Romans and the Lions, you know? <laughs> what uh, what position would you want to stand out there on one play for? I want to do wide receiver. I can't do running back. But wide receiver, I figure, if I do an out pattern, linebackers can't hit me, and I only have to deal with 190-pound cornerbacks. So I'm okay with yeah. that. Especially when you run your out pattern as they're giving the ball to Kareem Hunt up the middle. That's probably... <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what I think they would do <laughs> if you got in for a play. Well, that's just my thought. All right, Pete, um, let's get down to business here. <clears throat> Did you watch the Trump defense team and their presentation on Friday? I watched none of the impeachment because my life is too short to spend on frivolities like that. It was a joke. I I mean, I, I saw snippets. I didn't watch it live, but I saw snippets on the news. And it was what I think we all expected. My understanding is the ratings were very well, low. Um, 
Yeah, Bob. Well, the, the, uh, I did not watch any of the presentation of the House managers, the prosecutors, if you will. Uh, I, I watched snippets of that so I could comment on it as needed during the week last week. Friday, I made sure to record everything so that I could fast forward through the garbled junk and get to the meat. And I did watch the meat afterwards um, of the exposure of the House managers and all Democrats in the ridiculous impeachment over the use of the words fight for your country or else you're not right. going to have a country to, a country to fight for. And all of the ridiculous nonsense that they used to create their article uh, of impeachment, which is incitement of an insurrection um it was brilliant it was extraordinarily well done there it it was probably the first time that millions of americans ever saw on cnn or on msnbc the full context of what donald trump said a at that speech on the 6th and b um back in charlottesville in 2017 they 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 exposed the democrat lie about the charlottesville lie so that was all terrific. Then we get to Saturday morning, and suddenly the Democrats aren't done. We want to call witnesses. We want to get a couple of, uh, of other witnesses to verify what Donald Trump said in private conversations. And they voted on that. 55 to 45, we're calling witnesses. This thing isn't over. Until the Trump team said, deal, we're calling witnesses. Number one on our side is Nancy Pelosi, and number two is Kamala Harris. Right. Suddenly the Democrats said, Okay, no witnesses. We're done. <laughs> and they ran yep. screaming. Pete, what does that mean? Because of all of the nonsense, the unconstitutionality of it all, the lack of due process of it all, and then, of course, the actual trial and the acquittal of all of it, nothing is more important to me than how quickly they backtracked and ran from making Nancy Pelosi and Vice President Kamala Harris answer questions under oath. They fled, and to me, that's the biggest part of the story. Yeah, that was a good summary, Bob. What it says is this is what we all believe it to be, and that is a giant charade that the Democrats misplayed. They thought that this was still your father's Republican Party. In other words, it was the party before Trump and that the Republicans would fold and do the kind of Mitch McConnell thing where we would, you know, be uh, Lucy, you know, Charlie Brown and Lucy with the football. We wouldn't be backing up any of the uh, or, or refuting any of the claims made by the media and the Democrats. But I repeat myself, and when they found out they would be held for account, because as you and I have discussed over the summer during the riots, these Democrats were out there cheerleading for the rioters, saying, hey, you know, there's nothing to see here. There's absolutely, you know, no damage here that's mostly peaceful. And But beyond that, we should be cheerleading what they're doing, because these are they're engaged in an active protest related to wrong in America. And in fact, as we know, Kamala Harris was raising bail money for these people. They were the ones forever and ever and ever. And by the way, I think sometimes they're blinded by the fact that the media is on their side, So, and, and it's just an echo chamber for them. And they don't realize how their comments play when people actually get to hear what they said unvarnished. So they played what the Democrats have been doing for the last three or four years, starting with Maxine Waters, who was repeatedly saying things like, get in their face and don't make them, you know, make them uncomfortable and all these other things, things more vile than that, actually. But the Democrats have been saying this kind of stuff for a long time and not in kind of the colloquial or figurative fight sense. In other words, we must fight for this and fight for that. They were actually exhorting violence and downplaying violence, saying it was mostly peaceful when all of us saw just the opposite. Again, that's one of the problems with being in the media echo chamber. But this was a, a farce. It was seven days or, you know, here we are three weeks into the Biden presidency, 
And the one good thing for Democrats is to some extent, a small extent, the focus has not been on the damage that the Biden agenda has already visited upon America and Americans. But bottom line, Bob, is this facade, is this particular charade is done, but it's not the end. They must kill Donald Trump. They must kill Trumpism. They must make everything that Trump stood for toxic to average Americans who aren't paying close attention to what's going on, who will just simply think that, well, you know, I don't want to get canceled and I don't want to be looked upon disfavorably or unfavorably. So I'm not going to voice things that I otherwise believe. But beyond that, maybe I should think about voting for Democrats. I don't know, maybe something like that. But that's the effort behind this. And we haven't seen the end of it. They're going to continue to do this forever and ever. They're afraid of Donald Trump and they're afraid of Trumpism. They is the Democrats. But let's talk about the Republicans. First of all, seven turncoats in the Senate voted to convict, joining the 10 in the House that voted to send it over to the Senate for this trial. Three of them that I know of right now, Burr, Cassidy, and Toomey, have been censured by their state Republican parties for their ridiculous vote to convict. Um... One of those who did not vote to convict was Mitch. You mentioned him. But what he did do after the event was over and after the vote was take to the floor of the Senate and spend a half an hour ripping Donald Trump up one side and down the other, calling him guilty, but saying the only reason he did not convict was because of the fact that it was unconstitutional. You cannot try to remove someone who is not able to be removed because he's not a sitting president. Mitch McConnell said President Trump has not gotten away with anything yet. It indicates to a lot of people, Pete, and you've got a legal mind for a reason, that he is suggesting there could be criminal charges, not political charges in a trial of impeachment, but criminal charges for Donald Trump's conduct and behavior. How do you you read that coming from the Republican minority leader? Yeah. One benefit of all the Sturm and Drang related to Donald Trump is that it makes it easier to spot the idiots, allies, and enemies. And maybe it's not as stark as that. Um, I was a little surprised that Mitch McConnell would come out so forcefully. I never thought he was a Trump, a Trumpist. But I did think he was politically savvy. I still think he is in the main politically savvy. And to me, and again, I'm not involved in this, and he does this on on a daily basis for a long time, seems to me that this is as close to political suicide as you get. All of the polls, put the polls aside, you can feel the energy behind Donald Trump is the Republican Party now. Anywhere between 63 to 74% of Republicans say that they would follow Trump to a new party as opposed to staying in the Republican Party. But there is within the Beltway a a, a almost indescribable uh, antipathy toward Donald Trump. He exposed people for who they are. And I'm not simply saying allies, enemies, and idiots. He demonstrated how incompetent such a significant percentage of our political class and so-called elites elsewhere are. He did things in a different way and got them done for the first time in decades. And they can't stand that they were exposed like this. 
So I'm not saying that's the motivation behind a McConnell, but I do think that there's going to be more actions against Donald Trump. We already know that some uh, <clears throat> Democratic attorneys general or DAs are taking a look at Donald Trump for a variety of reasons, and Trump will survive. That's the bottom line. They'll survive. They want to hamstring him and hurt him. But what's happening, I think, I really do think, if you look at some of the polling data and just some of the general reactions, kind of uh, uh, anecdotal reactions you see from people, is almost everybody's starting to get it now, even those who devote themselves to MSNBC and CNN or aren't particularly engaged are getting this, and you can't help but not get it, that they are, they have this, the Democrats have this fixation on Trump that never uh, reaches fruition. There's nothing that ever he, he's, you know, he used to call um, Reagan and others and Clinton, you know, the Teflon presidents, the Teflon Don, and uh, Trump is not just Teflon because he's impervious. He's Teflon because the, this guy, they, they've done everything. He's the most investigated man in the history of the world, and they got nothing. They're going to get nothing. And I think that at the end of the day, what we've been able to do is identify um, certain individuals who we thought were, I don't want to say on our side, but we thought were conservative, we thought would be promoting conservative ideals, and they've been exposed. And that's a useful thing for the rest of us, because many people that I thought I could rely on, many people when they said things, I would give them the benefit of the doubt. I no longer do, and I think that's extremely important for the health of a democratic republic. I would agree with that, Pete. We're going to take a time out here. <clears throat> on the flip side, the last conversation on impeachment is Nancy Pelosi's demand for a 9-11 style independent commission to investigate uh, the attack on the Capitol on January 6th. I want to see what your thoughts on where that is going to head. Then we're going to talk about the abolish the police or defund the police movement that began in Minneapolis after the George Floyd incident. One year later, eh, nine, ten months later, actually, yes, nine months later, actually, after abolishing the police or defunding the police significantly, there's a change of heart in the Twin Cities. I'm going to get Peter Kersenow's thoughts on that as we continue as well on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, real quick, we uh, bring Peter Kersenow back in to talk now about Nancy Pelosi, who is demanding a 9-11 style in, uh, uh, January 6th Capitol riot investigation. This is what she said after the acquittal of President what Trump. What we saw in that Senate today was a cowardly group of Republicans who apparently have no options because they were afraid to defend their job, respect the institution in which they serve. Have you ever heard Peter Kersenow a better commercial endorsement for Polygrip than the one you just did? Um, anyway, uh, anyway, Pete, your thoughts yes, on, on this 9-11 style commission? <laughs> okay, you're right. This might be just as good. Dan, Dan yeah, Crenshaw, well, just before you answer, Dan Crenshaw said, let's not pretend this commission is anything but a cynically motivated tool designed to wield the tragedy of January 6th as a political club. Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? Um, I think, as I've said before, and I understand that there are certain rules that, uh, because they're in the minority, Republicans can't do certain things. Um, but there are things they can do. And, and, and again, I would, if, if I were a Republican, I'm not trying to tell Republicans what to do. Um, you know, they're the pros, supposedly. But uh, I think Trump has shown a path here, and that is that you don't just simply lie back and accept this kind of nonsense from Democrats. You fight back and you fight back hard. I would say, fine, let's have that commission and Part of that commission is going to study why it is that
that despite several pleas to do so, Nancy Pelosi did nothing about providing security for the Capitol. Many Republicans had asked for security during that period of time, not because they suspected anything bad was going to happen necessarily, because it was a prudent thing to do, and there were going to be hundreds of thousands of people on the mall. And when that happens, when you have hundreds of thousands of people, things happen. Nancy Pelosi didn't provide for that security. How about, how about investigating Eric Swalwell, one of their impeachment managers? That demands an investigation. They actually had an impeachment manager who was compromised by the Chinese. He was sleeping with a Chinese spy. Why not investigate uh, uh, Dianne Feinstein, who had a Chinese spy as a driver for, I don't know how many years, it was decades, I believe. We didn't have an investigation of that. It was just as little as, say, 20 or 30 years ago, that if those types of circumstances prevailed, it would have been front page news that members of Congress or a member of the Senate was so thoroughly compromised by our biggest geopolitical rival. But nope, doesn't even mention a blip in the New York Times or any of the other so-called media. Or how about investigating in terms of dereliction of duty or how violence occurred, what Jenny Durkin, the mayor of Seattle, did in setting up or permitting the autonomous uh, precinct or whatever she called it of Chaz or Chaz the Minneapolis really mayor not. who abandoned an entire police precinct. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that they do and they get away with it because the media is on their side. And by the way, why not investigate the media? See what the heck they're up to. Are, are they asleep at the switch completely? We know that they're hopelessly biased. They used to be simply just a little biased. Now they're on the verge of corrupt and they actually lie. I don't know how many lies now, but Bob, I'm old enough to remember when the media was simply biased. Walter Cronkite and all those guys, and he accepted it, and, but you still got, still understand, stood what the news was. These days, you have no idea. If you watch MSNBC, CBS, ABC, and all the other alphabets, you have no idea what's going on. In fact, you probably have the opposite view of what's truly going on, because they're just, pro- not just propagandizing, they're absolute lying to us. So these are some of the investigations that should precede any investigation, 9-11 style investigation. Another thing is one of the reasons why they're doing this is because for the last three weeks, Joe Biden has been visiting extreme damage upon the American people. Tens of thousands of people have already lost their jobs. Gas prices, are you ready for this? Gas prices, as of yesterday, are up 18% since Inauguration Day. This is the kind of lunacy that we have to deal with, not to mention our southern border, not to mention our capitulation to Iran, so on and so forth. And we better watch China. We better watch what's going on there, because they're licking their chops. They know they've got an ally in the White House. Joe and Hunter and Jim are all watching China. They're watching their paychecks come in from China. And uh, I say that without a hint of sarcasm. I mean that literally. Joe, Bi- or I mean Hunter Biden in particular, is still working with Chinese firms he said he would divest himself of. So uh, I have no faith whatsoever that Joe Biden will do anything to stop China. In fact, the better they, they do, the probably the bigger their, their uh, paychecks are. Pete Kersenow will continue right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1036. I've got about nine minutes left with Peter Kersenow. That is, if I hold him to the 1045 that he has requested, I will probably hold him over because I just do that sort of thing. Uh, Peter, let's move on and let's talk about issues of race now. i got three stories. I want to start with Minneapolis. Minneapolis was the first city to call for the defunding or the abolition of police. It, of course, has been called for on the national level by the likes of the squids, Alexandria, Damasio, Cortez, and so on and so forth. 
Seattle picked it up, uh, Portland picked it up, and Minnesota, or excuse me, Minneapolis was the first because that was where the uh, George Floyd incident happened last May. So they did. The city council voted to defund the police or to severely underfund the police. What happened? Well, this doesn't take a rocket scientist. Crime has skyrocketed, including and especially violent crime in a city where they don't have any cops on the streets anymore. So what happens? Now they have to uh, put forth a $6.4 million budget bill to hire more police officers. Uh, I don't know if karma is the right word here, Pete, but... um, especially for the innocent people who would certainly never support such a thing, but their representatives on their city council did it, um, and I guess they kind of got what they asked for. Do you think this will be a lesson for any other cities that consider such ridiculous things? Unfortunately, no. Uh, We're in a weird time, Bob. I I wish I could be a lot more optimistic, but the depths of insanity, and I I mean that, maybe not clinically, but the depths of insanity that have been visited upon this country over the last few years, but especially in the last year, have been profound. They're astonishing. You and I have talked about this, of uh, of course. This was eminently predictable. Heck, a kindergartner could predict this. You defund the police, and what happens? You get more crime. We've seen this happen so many times, and, you know, there are names for it now. The Ferguson effect, coined by our friend Heather McDonald after, you know, the Michael Brown incident, where because of, you know, the withdrawal from active policing of police, but in this case, the over-defunding of police by city council, you have less deterrent against crime, and what happens? You get more crime. Very, very difficult concept to understand for some, apparently. But this was predictable. Um, The question really is, is after so many examples of this type of lunacy that that, uh, results in people getting killed, property damage, people being harmed in egregious ways, whether or not citizens will vote these kinds of people out or seek an alternative. And I'm getting frankly, somewhat pessimistic, because this is not the first time we've seen this. And it seems as if uh, these uh, people keep getting reelected all the time. So if you want to live in a Minneapolis or Seattle or San Francisco or any of the other places that are are descending into complete hellholes, then fine, that's up to you. Just don't bring that stuff to when you try to emigrate from those hellholes to places that are sane, whether it's dealing with these kinds of crime reactions or um, reactions related to the closing down of your states because of your inept governors and mayors and elsewhere, please don't bring that mentality to us because we are living, many of us are living in somewhat sane locales. Nonetheless, to answer the question, Bob, I'm, I'm doubtful that this is going to have much an effect because this isn't the first time this has happened, and we haven't seen it. It seems to be getting crazier and crazier. And one of the reasons yeah. I think it's getting crazier and crazier mm-hmm. is because our elites, and especially in education and the media, as well as the governmental elites, are just spreading these kinds of poisons and crazy concepts. And the media is just reporting things like, you know, nothing here to see but peaceful protests, and people are reacting accordingly. The fact that we have Joe Biden in the White House tells me that I'm very, very doubtful at these at this time. I don't mean to be pessimistic. I'm usually a very, very optimistic person, as you know, Bob. But I start to wonder 
whether or not we've we've uh, uh, gone around the bend here, and that where it's going to take a long time for us to come back. When you have our educational institutions and so many other institutions that are invested in wokeness and are saying, frankly, hallucinatory things, it's not going to end well. Yeah, no, you're you're a thousand percent right, uh, Pete. As always, um, I'm going to get one more. Uh, race-based story for you that is not what we're... For those who don't know, I'm going to be hosting the Larry Elder Show tomorrow, and Pete has agreed to come on to talk more in-depth about the 1776 commission that has been disbanded. In fact, was disbanded, what, hours after uh, uh, yes. Biden was sworn in? Minutes. Minutes. Uh, we're going to talk in depth about that on the Larry Elder Show tomorrow. We may go as long as you're allowed, to, as long as you'll let me keep you, Peter. But we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about black communism and uh, support for black communism and Angela Davis among children on the program tomorrow. This one, I want to stay in the educational realm, though, and I want to ask you about Oregon. I saw this story last week, and I posted about it, and the responses were terrific because um, it's impossible to really process this um, uh, without just seeing it for the absurdity that it is. The state of Oregon Department of Education is promoting a teacher program. Now, this is not what they're teaching the kids. It's what they're teaching the teachers to teach to the kids. And that is that math is racist. Now, we've heard things like this similar to this in the past, Pete. In fact, I feel like it's deja vu because we've talked about this in a different circumstance before but this is so very specific in its wording they have determined that teachers have to rethink the way they teach math because requiring students to get the quote right answer and to quote show their work is promoting white supremacy culture because apparently little children of color really work hard and they shouldn't have to get the right answer if they worked hard enough at it and they shouldn't have to show their work if uh, if they don't want to because those are clearly white supremacist concepts. I'll leave it there Pete because I could go on for days and I want to give you a chance yeah. to to fill the uh to fill this void and fill the void between my ears cuz I can't quite understand this. Well, you were then we're in the same spot. Uh, this could go on for not just days, but years and years. Uh, I've been subjecting myself to this for the last 20 years. I've been on the Civil Rights Commission, uh, and, you know, <laughs> I've been warning about this kind of stuff coming. But, um, you, you know, you, you say to yourself, can you get any more lunatic? And just when you think you've reached peak lunacy, they've come up with something like this. But we saw this coming down the road. And think about this. I My response to these woke warriors uh, very often when they say that something like a math or anything is racist dealing with education, that um, when you talk about how it affects people of color, they always seem to exempt one big group, and that's Asian Americans. If math is racist, why then on the National Assessment of Educational Progress, on SAT scores, and a whole host of other objective analyses, Asians outstrip every other race? Are they somehow exempt from racism? Are they treated better than, than, than whites are because they're doing better than whites are? The whole notion, I mean, to even entertain the notion that math or the teaching of math or objective, uh, object, objectivity and pre- precision is somehow racist is itself racist. It is saying that, and this deals with blacks and Latinos because they're not talking about Asians here. They're exempting Asians somehow. Asians are exempt from almost everything related to racism, by the way, unless it's useful for the Democrats and talking about Trump's xenophobia. But nonetheless, 
we are subjecting huge swaths of our kids to untold damage when we tell them precision and accuracy and objectivity is somehow racist. We are condescending to these individuals. We don't hold them to the highest standards. Every parent out there knows your kids do better when you tell them to aspire to the highest ideal, not the lowest common denominator. The damage that's done to these kids is unforgivable. Aspiring to the highest ideal rather than the lowest common denominator, though, is and I'm I'm quoting the, the you know the BLM mantra here. It's 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 acting white, um, and it is yeah. frowned upon in many black communities. And again, not all. So I don't want anybody to interpret that the wrong way. Obviously, yourself included. Many many black people, millions of black people, aspire to the highest level that they can be because that's what one should do. It is not acting white. But to those who want to excuse underperformance of kids raised in single-parent households, and 75% of black kids are raised in single-parent households without two parents there to make sure they're doing their work and aspiring to be great, um, in those communities, it is thought if you do well in school and if you aspire to get the right answers and you show your work, well, you're acting white. And, and that is going to obviously you know, cast a pall over any success that a, that a young child of color may have. What's despicable about that, Bob, is you're right. What's despicable about it is that phenomenon used to be confined to children, to kids, to certain kids mm-hmm. in middle school and high school, usually in depressed areas who said that when somebody was doing well, they were acting white, or when someone was, was doing well in math or behaving a certain way, they were acting white, usually when they were doing well academically. It was bad enough when it was confined to kids, but now it has seeped out into the broader society where you have educators picking up on this. You can't think of anything more pernicious to the success of kids. You are consigning them to failure. You're almost writing them a ticket to failure. This is something that should be disciplined. That is, these adults who are coming up with this lunacy, and it's objective lunacy. You could only, I, I forgot what the phrase was, but you could only come up with something like this in the highest, highest regions of academia, because any common sense person knows that this is going to end badly. It has had, uh, ended badly. We've seen the results of this in the past. We should be coming down hard on this lunacy. We should not be accepting any of this insanity. We should be calling it precisely what it is, and it should come from all of us. But where are our leaders on this? Whenever this even peaked out for a half a second, everyone should have leapt upon it and bludgeoned it to death and saying, don't come with this kind of crap anymore. This is dangerous. It's insidious. We will not tolerate this. This is the very essence of racism, presuming that certain people can't uh, succeed or can't meet certain minimal standards. Not going to do that at all. And, you know, as I've told you in the past, for before they started canceling debates, 20, 30 years ago when I was debating, one of my stock phrases was when dealing with affirmative action, well, is there such a thing as the black speed of light? And that used to get a lot of laughs because it was so absurd. Well, here we are. 
My only question is, now that we've gotten to what I thought was peak absurdity and lunacy, can we go any farther? I'm, I'm always surprised. I think it's peak lunacy, but then they go another step further. I just don't know where they're going to go next. Yeah, I mean, you know, well, I guess we shouldn't be surprised that they made their way to math because they have made science that way. Uh, science is now open to our interpretation. Scientific principles used to be accepted as scientifically proven principles. It's like, you know, the, the periodic table. The elements are what they are. You can't make that up. You can't change it. But now math used to be, here's the line, Pete. Here's the line. There's no subjectivity in math. There used to not be subjectivity in scientific principles, too. But here's the line. You ready? The concept of mathematics is, uh, I'm sorry, let me restart. The concept of mathematics being purely objective is unequivocally false, and teaching it is even much less so. Upholding the idea that there are always right and wrong answers perpetuate objectivity as well as fear of open conflict. Challenge standardized test questions by getting the right answers, but justify other answers by unpacking the assumptions that are made in the problem. Pete, they're saying math isn't objective anymore. It, it, yeah, my head hurts. It, my I, head I hurts mean, right now. Did, did, and you, you obviously read 1984, but did you see the movie 1984? I don't think I did, no. Oh, Pete, you should. It's really well done. It was made in the 80s, actually. Um, but, but it's, but it's, it's tremendous, especially given the, the time that it was made. It was, uh, you know, not the best graphics or not the best, uh, you know, CGI and all that other nonsense. But when Winston is in room 101 and being tortured and being made to truly believe that he sees four fingers instead of three or three instead of four or whatever it was, they show it. And, and this is what they're teaching kids now. Two plus two can honestly be five. And you must see five if we tell you to see five. This is, this is literally happening right now today. We're changing yeah. mathematics. We're changing what people see. We're changing the, the very simple, objective realities and truths in order to meet um, social justice objectives. And I'll give you uh, I, use the, I, I use the term insanity, but that's too mild. I'm going to use a term that is hardly ever used, but it applies to the adults who are doing this. This is evil. To consign kids to this kind of lunacy is evil. To have them believe or taught in such a fashion is not just insane, it is evil. Something has gone really off the tracks. Well, we, we have a pretty good idea what's going off the tracks here, but it's sped off the tracks so remarkably fast in the last year and a half to two years, it's, it's breathtaking. But if we're going to protect our kids, we have to fight back vigorously against that. That's one of the reasons why... Donald Trump formed the 1776 Commission. I would suspect that one of the reasons why one of his first acts, within minutes of being sworn in, mm-hmm. President Biden decided to disband the 1776 Commission because we were fighting against this critical race nonsense, the 1619 Project. It's permeating so much of our institutions. This is going to have a bad, bad ending if we allow this per- to persist, because the Chinese aren't going along with this kind of idiocy. That's Not right. at all. Not at all. They are our greatest geopolitical rival, and they're going to eat our lunch if we persist in this kind of not just object uh, subjectivity, but this moral relativism that's that's seeped throughout all of our insti- educational institutions. The perverse lies that are being told about our founding and the rest of our history. But this is truly evil, and I know that's not something that um, smart people talk about anymore. But there's o- that's the only logical description for what's happening to our kids. 
adults who should know better are actively promoting things that will hurt these kids. And one other thing about this is that it's going to hurt black and brown kids, as most of these idiot propositions do, because now everybody else, even though they won't voice it because they're afraid of being canceled, will think to themselves whenever they are interviewing a black or brown student or, or, or considering any type of measurement of a black and brown student, they're going to be saying, well, these kids have been taught that two plus two doesn't necessarily equal four. They're going to be suspicious okay. of the merits and competency of these individuals. They're going to be suspicious about hiring somebody like that. It's going to have an adverse effect. Would you want to work in a high-rise building where the architecture was done by people who did not know how to read angles, but they approximated them and were told, you got it right because you're the right color? Or fly a plane, right, fly exactly. Fly a plane, drive a car, anything else. By the way, John Hurt is Winston Smith. Richard Burton is O'Brien. Um, Pete, watch it when you get a free weekend. Grab it on uh, one of the you know, movie streams or something. By the way, it did come out in 1984, per- perfectly and brilliantly. It did. Uh, so the movie 1984, it does the book justice. Very few movies do classic books justice. I think this one does. Take a look at it for yourself and report back to me. Okay, my friend? Thanks, Bob. Thank you, Pete. Pete Kersenow will be with me tomorrow night, by the way. We will go in-depth on 1776 Project. He'll be with me as I host the Larry Elder Show tomorrow All right, uh, five minutes before the top of the hour, so not a ton of time here. Um, I do want you to understand something. When I said that Peter Kersenow is going to join me tomorrow on the Larry Elder Show, you were probably wondering, well, how can Peter Kersenow join you on the Larry Elder Show? Isn't Peter Kersenow joining you on the CFFS Ohio webinar? Because that was scheduled for February 17th tomorrow. I've been telling you how to register for it. Yeah. The Larry Elder Show did take precedence for me. So we have bumped the webinar to next Wednesday. Instead of tomorrow night, the 17th at 7.30, the CFFS Ohio webinar will be uh, next Wednesday, the 24th at 7.30. And Peter Kersenow will still be our guest presenter. He's going to talk to us about big tech censorship. He's going to talk to us about cancel culture censorship. And he's going to talk to us about uh, big government through health emergencies and pandemic censorship. All of them are huge topics for citizens for free speech. So I will tell you again, the webinar will be next Wednesday. You st- If you are already registered for it, you should be good. But if you have not yet registered for it, please go to citizensforfreespeech.org slash Ohio forward slash Ohio and register as a member of Citizens for Free Speech Ohio and then register for the webinar. It's all spelled out for you on the webpage, citizensforfreespeech.org slash Ohio. I want to take a phone call from down deep in the heart of Houston, Texas, where they have no power, or at least a lot of people don't. Up to 4 million Texans were without power because of some horrible policy decisions on green energy in that state. Will, go right ahead, sir. Hey, brother, man. Good morning, man. Thanks thanks for taking my call. I'm going I'm to I'm make this real quick, man. I... Um, I'm so glad. I love when you have Peter on, dude, and, and I'm so glad he mentioned what he meant what he, when he talked about this math is racist buffoonery. The one thing he said that stood out to me, and, and I've been asking this question myself. He said, "You know, China would never do anything stupid like this. China, our number one competitor, would never ever do anything stupid like this." You know, and so I was I was talking to my girlfriend. You know, and, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist. You know, but I was I'm thinking, what on earth? How is this even normal? How is this kind of thinking even norm- normal 
normalize, you know. And and so you you have to sit back and think, you know, is is this is this stuff that's being pushed? You know, math is racist, men or women, and all this other is this being you know pushed by some some outside? You know, who knows? I, you know, I'm just kind of thinking. Out I know, loud, but, I know what you're saying. No, no, well, I get it, man. It's hard. It's hard to even ask the question, much less find the answer. Um, right. You know, who is doing this? What is the end goal of all of this? And I, I would suggest to you that the end goal of, of all of this, truthfully, is Marxism slash communism. When people right. are too stupid, right. when people are too stupid to, to, to know how to get a job, know how to work for themselves, know how to earn a living, get a promotion, move forward, etc., they end up what? They end up turning to the government for help. They end up turning to the government saying, feed me, clothe me, house me. That's the nature of collectivism and communism. Let the government keep it all and dole it out to the ignorant proles as they see fit. And the best way to make an ignorant prole stay an ignorant prole is to teach them they don't have to learn. They don't have to get the right grades. They don't have to get the right answers because nobody can succeed like that. My friend, I got a jet. I appreciate your call. We are out of time. Mike Gallagher's coming up next right here on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence.